Well, hello, everybody. I'm Clay Brace, and it's The Watchman. Folks, this is Saturday afternoon at 1 p.m. It's a familiar time for many of you because you tune in every Saturday afternoon to hear this show and hear our expert opining on the issues of the day. As we said, The Watchman on the Wall is always on the lookout for issues that matter most to Americans, Americans that understand what a reprobate society looks like, and, uh, and understand what it what it looks like and what it sounds like, and uh, obviously want want to run clear from it. But anyway, folks, we we are we're here today, and we've been here over the last five years. Thanks for being with us at eleven eighty WFYL at this same time every Saturday one p.m. So thanks for being with us. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit today about some issues that I think are coming up, but I want to get into the unemployment numbers, and I want to talk a little bit about what happens in countries. Um, and, and so forth when when unemployment changes and want to get into that and how 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 it affects society so let's jump right into it you know what's happening right now and what's really interesting is that you're seeing uh well consumer confidence for instance consumer confidence they're trying to make comments that consumer confidence is at a two-year high i just find that amazing a two-year high consumer confidence is at a two-year high both consumer confidence is a fragment of what it was in 2019 Okay, consumer confidence in 2019 was 30% higher than it is now, and which is incredibly important for us to understand. Yeah, we're at a two-year high, but where were we two years ago? Well, we were still in lockdown mode two years ago. I mean, it's really compelling. I mean, they're basically, uh, they're they're a giant amongst midgets, okay, is what they're trying to do. They're trying to they're trying to say, well, I mean, here we are. We're having the best consumer recovery measure that we've ever seen the last you know, two months, I mean, two years, uh, two weeks, I mean, two years, I mean, since COVID recovery. I mean, I'm just amazed that they, they alluded to this. But they also like to use unemployment numbers. I think what's really compelling on this is we see unemployment numbers. And I mean, we've got intelligent people that I know that I work with, some people that I spend time with that actually think that the unemployment measure is the unemployment measure. Okay, unemployment. Well, what's the unemployment number? Unemployment's down at 5.3% or 3.9% or 4.5% or whatever it is. I don't even look at unemployment anymore. The unemployment number is not the measure to determine the health and strength of an economy. It's the employment numbers that we need to be looking at. And it wasn't until Trump came into presidency that we started looking at employment numbers. I find that very compelling. What's interesting is the people that control the information, okay, that control what we see and what is reported to reporters and sent to the public to measure unemployment for years was unemployment. And uh, Trump came in and then we started seeing employment numbers, okay? All employment numbers, which I thought was really a unique thing. And he's making comparisons with, with how many people are working today versus how many people were working back when Barack Hussein Obama was president. Well, I'm going to make illustrations of how many people were working in 2019 compared to how many people are working today. The best measure for that is how many job openings we have, because that really is the employment level. The employment level right now, with the growth of an economy, it's it's the workforce. The workforce needs to be working. We have right now about 7.5 million fewer workers today than we had in 2019. Now, when you put that in perspective, that is bigger. That's more money than the entire the entire budget of Pennsylvania. Okay, think about it. That's That's a lot of people. Okay, in a workforce. I mean, that's like an entire state like Pennsylvania being unemployed. Okay, that is the workforce that the decline workforce that we've seen right now. So when they say that we have 13 million job openings versus 6 million, 
That's because we have that many fewer people working. And so when I tell you that the workforce today is smaller than it was three, uh, obviously three years ago, that's the truth. Three years ago, we were about 167 million working Americans. Today, we're about 157, 159 million. We've actually gotten under 160 million Americans that are working. I think that's very compelling. So when you look at that number of people and you wonder how much taxes that those 7 million people pay, you can understand what I'm talking about. How much money in taxes that the government foregoes because those people are working. You know, how many more families are struggling? Now, well, you say, well, what are those people doing? Are they in the unemployment? Are they, why are they doing unemployment? Because they can't get unemployment. So what they do is they go into the, the underground economy or they retire. So what's happening is you have people dropping out of the workforce at a greater clip every month than people getting in. So let me just put it to you this way. So you see unemployment numbers, then you see job creation numbers. That's another number you see that's out there for the media to harp on. We've created 195,000 jobs this month. Created 238,000 jobs this month. What they're not saying is we've had a we've had a decline in the workforce by 150,000 jobs this month. We had a decline in the workforce by 185,000 jobs this month. We have 185,000 fewer workers in the workforce this month than we had, you know, that, that we had a decline of that many workers in the workforce. And then, you know, so when that's what they're not saying, okay? Because you have 350,000 people every month getting out of the workforce. So anything under that, the difference between the jobs created and, of course, that 350,000 is the number of people that are declining in the sheer numbers of workforce working. Okay, that's what that is. So this is the reality of, of, of the unemployment. This is what we're seeing every day in reality. So we got to understand that this is how the workforce is measured, and this is what people look at it. But they're, they're very careful as they put the numbers out there. But I mean, now we're going to put it out there in truth that you can see. I mean, how do you know the economy is growing? Well, the GDP grows, okay? How do you know the economy is growing? Because you have more people working. And more people working. And the, the, the more the more people working, the, the more an economy is booming. Does that make sense? The, the fewer the people that are working, the, the, the contracting of an economy is taking place. The contraction of the economy. Economic contraction. This is the reality, which really also compelling is the buying power of Americans and the consumer confidence as I got to earlier. We've got the head of the Fed right now saying, oh my goodness, and Janet Yellen and, and all these other nitwits and these other incompetent people and the and the, and the mediocrity that's been put in place by O'Biden himself, a guy that I question whether he, whether he really got 80 million votes, okay? I, I question that. I'm one of the Americans that question whether that many people actually voted for that guy. Um, I can't imagine that, okay? But here we are today in a mediocrity, and you've got people that are out there saying, we have the best consumer confidence we've had in two days. I mean, two weeks. I mean, I'm sorry, two years. That is the biggest joke I've ever seen. Why that was not assaulted by the media is unbelievable to me. Where's the outrage in the media that someone in, in, in our government, our, our mediocrity, if you will, of our government, would be out there saying, We've had the best consumer confidence we've seen in the last two years. How is that news to anybody? How is that good news? How is that anything newsworthy? What is news is to say, okay, our consumer confidence today is what it is, and compare that to where we were in 2019, where we were in 2018, where we were in 2014, where we were in 2006, okay, 2005. This is what I want to see. I want to see that the complete consumer confidence graph for the last 25, 35, 40 years. You're going to see 1985 consumer confidence was extremely high. Okay, these are things you can see. 
But one thing is for sure is that when Americans have more buying power, there's more Americans working and the economy is growing, and that's good. We know the stock market went from 18,000 in 2016, okay, to, to like 34,000 in, in 2020. When, when Trump was elected, Trump was in office, the stock market nearly doubled, nearly doubled. We know this. We know we had a growth of GDP. We know we had a growth of an economic burst, if you will. We had more people in the job market. We know this. We America First Republicans know this. We understand this. So when we're out there listening to Biden and his minions try to tell us that, well, I mean, we had the best super confidence measures that we've seen in the last two minutes. I mean, that doesn't mean anything to me. Okay, two years is nothing. It's literally a snapshot of the time of, of no time at all when you compare the consumer confidence of where people were in 2021. Folks, in 2021, there was no consumer confidence. Okay, so let's just cut the comedy. So this is kind of the way I see it: is that they're 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 out there trying to spin the numbers, and and you know we know that consumer confidence was at all time eyes under Trump. We know that the employment numbers were at record eyes with Trump. We know that earnings were increasing in every demographic under Trump. We know that there was no inflation under Trump. We know we had record low gas prices under Trump. Our energy prices were record low under Trump. We know this. We're not oblivious to this. We're not oblivious to the fact that the crime indexes were lower under Trump than they are today. We're not oblivious to the fact that we had one twentieth of the border crossers under Trump that came over than we have today. We have 20 times more border crossers today than we had under Trump. We're not oblivious to that. We all know this. We see this. We know what an open border looks like. An open border looks like what we have right now in the southern border. That's an open border. People coming over, disregarding the law. So you've got people breaking the law, coming over the law, over the border illegally. They break the law to get here. They break the law to stay here. And they break the law again when they work here. This is what's amazing. Not everybody. I mean, not everybody. But a lot of these people come over illegally and they don't stay legally. So they illegally stay when they're here. And of course, they illegally work when they're here. This is the underground economy. This is what's happening, folks. If they want to break the economic system of the United States, all they got to do is add, you know, add another five million friggin' uh, illegally uh, illegal workers to the workforce. Add another five million illegal workers who don't pay taxes, who work in the underground economy, expand the underground economy from where it was under Trump at about you know four or five percent to where well where it is in Greece at, at almost thirty percent. If they can get an underground economy that large, you're going to see a collapse of government and an economic and economic collapse and sky high inflation and everything else. Because what happens is people have money, okay, but it's not recorded, not registered money with the government, so they're not taxing it. So you have more money in the in the economy, more buying power, less product. So inflation just goes up. It goes up because when you have an economy that when you have people, when you have a flood of cash in an economy, and it's not the result of a growing economic growth pattern, if you will, of, of a legitimate jobs, if it's a, if it's an underground economy, then what you're having is it's not good for anything. Okay, it does not help the economic system we live in. Underground economies undermine our economic growth. They just do. It's always existed, but it's always been, you know, under six percent. But I believe now it's over 12% in this country. I think it's growing exponentially. I mean, last the number I saw was above 12%. But the size of the underground economy in this country is very scary because once it gets around 25%, 
it becomes dangerous to tipping the scale on this country. It can actually cause an economic collapse. This is what you got to understand. When you elect the wrong people, when you elect, when we as a country elect these people, and we bring these people in and they, they make horrible public policy decisions, then you see things like underground economies grow. And it's not, it's not to the benefit of this country. It's not, you know, it's interesting. I was listening to a, a preacher talk about how, um, um, how, um, how this world is infected with the disease called sin and how this sin is, is actually taking down, destroying this country. It's an insidious disease that's killing us one cut at a time. And, and we see things getting worse and worse in this country. We know where we were in 1980. We know where we were in 1990. We know where we are today. And we see the, we see the collapse of the culture that we live in. We see what, I mean, societies are defined by what they do not accept. And what you're seeing right now is you're seeing this, you're seeing law enforcement overlook laws. I mean, you're seeing our laws, our, our border laws are being completely overlooked completely. Our border laws are not being enforced by law enforcement. It's that simple. We have laws that aren't being enforced on the borders. We have laws that are not being enforced with illegal immigrants who break the law while they're here. We have those laws not being, the deportation laws aren't being enforced. Okay. I mean, you've got laws that are being put on the books now preventing preventing parents from intervening with their children's, uh, you know, life-changing decisions in schools. Okay. You've actually got laws being put on the books to prevent that because they because parental rights ha- are on the books in all these laws. So they're now making laws to take away parental rights. rights. It, literally, they're passing laws in California, Oregon, and Washington, preventing parents from pre- preventing parents from interfering with their children's selective surgeries. No kidding. This is what's happening right now, folks. And this is what a decaying society looks like. When you want to look at a society that is being ripped apart by sin, look no further than that. Look no further than that. That families are completely under assault by the by politicians passing laws to destroy families. I mean, think about it. What child, what child at fifteen or sixteen knows which end is up anyway? I mean, you've got people that are at that age, our children that are at that age, see actors and actresses and pop stars as heroes of the day. They overlook the real heroes of society, and they look at those people as heroes. Okay, I can remember uh, my my dad telling me one time years ago. He would say the people that used to do vaudeville, the vaudeville um, trailers, if you will, the the you know the, the 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 shows that went from town to town. Okay, that that sold uh, you know that the, the minstrel shows or whatever you want to call them. Those shows that you know people would show up to and watch, and you know, some would give money to. Those people were the strangest people anywhere. And today they're being lauded as heroes of society. Think about it. I mean, think about the upside down society. I mean, where where we've got people want children wanting to graduate high school wanting to be a pop star or a movie star. Okay. You know, I mean that's what they want, be actors. Actresses. This is what they want to do. They they don't want to be in business. They don't want to make money. They they want to they want to develop their 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 art skills. I mean, I, I mean, it's an amazing thing to me. Okay, um, you know, I, I had, uh, I, I, I know someone who, uh, whose child went to school for communications. Okay, you know, understanding how to, how to handle things in communications and media and so forth, and they're looking for a job in that field. Okay, well, I can understand that. You want a job in that field? I mean, everybody does. 
I mean, if they come, if that's your interest, that's what you want to pursue. And there's nothing wrong with pursuing an interest in that. But I don't know what the opportunity is. I remember a guy that I I, I was interviewing for a job who went to school. He was paying $250,000 for an education at Syracuse University so he could be a physical therapist to earn 70000 a year or 60000 a year. Now, that was 20 years ago. So it's probably comparable to what, you know, 80 or 90 is today. But I'm, I guess the point I'm making is to spend a quarter of a million dollars to make that kind of money may seem like a pretty good deal. But when you look at the job opportunities in that field and you understand that only a handful of people make that kind of money, most physical therapists make half of that. They work by the hour. Okay. When you understand that, you realize you paid how much money to get this job so you can make 50000 or 60000 or 40000 a year. And you realize, what did I do this? I mean, that was, a, that was an incredibly bad decision, a bad practical business decision. People want to pursue their interests. I understand it. If there's money to be made, I remember my son and I having a conversation on that, and he had interests. And I remember telling him, you need to pursue what's going to make you the most money, things that you can enjoy doing and like doing that you can get good at. Because what you like to do is what you'll get good at doing. And that's just the truth. Whatever you enjoy doing, whatever you like, you'll get good at. Whatever you're good at, you can market yourself and make money with. Um, you just got to figure out what you're good at and, and, and try to be in a position to where you can maximize that value. Life is a life, you know, early, our earning years, if you will, I mean, uh, you know, are, are about 50 years of, of work. Okay. We work about 45, 50 years of our life doing something, pursuing some sort of success pattern in life. And you're trying to pursue something. You want to do something you enjoy working at and enjoy doing. And that you can make money at. Not everybody's fortunate to be able to do that. A lot of people have to go to work at a warehouse and, you know, live in a life of mundane and drive a forklift and drive it and, you know, pick orders and fill orders and whatever, or go work in a mailroom, okay? And think that that's where, you know, that's where their success lies, okay? Or or to do whatever, you know, or, or to go and work on a road crew, okay? And, and you know, and, and work on a road crew. I mean, those jobs can pay pretty good money, but they're incredibly boring and hard work, you know? I mean, what you're seeing a lot of today in the employment world is you're seeing a lot of these people that they don't know what they want to do. They don't know how they want to pursue their life. And they 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 just kind of shift around from place to place. But getting back to the underground economy, this is what happens. So when the economic situation is so bad, what happens is they want to get out of the workforce and go on their own. So you've got tradesmen, people that have a specific craft, whether it's hairdressing or whether it's... Uh, electrical work or plumbing or whatever, okay? These craftsmen get out of the workforce, quit the companies that they work for, and they use their networking on social media um, as well as their networking, um, you know, out of social media, but their their personal networking to get customers to trade with them. And they make a living at it. This is what they do. And, and this is the reality of what we see. And this is in the workplace today. And this is the underground economy. So you've got companies like, for instance, you've got electrical contracting companies that have electricians that go out and do wiring of, you know, fuse boxes and whatnot. They wire a house. They do this sort of thing. They do it for a living. Or they might create a wiring uh, setup in a a, a home for a a high-voltage, high-amped item that you bring into the house, like a big, giant air conditioner or something, okay? Or they'll increase it. They'll increase it, the potential of a building that they're, you know, they'll put all new wiring in there to do this. But you got these same companies that are being undermined because these people are leaving those jobs, taking on their own work, and again, their skilled labor, and they just market that, and they make what they can with what they can. On the side, it's cash economy. And then you have cash that's put into the economy that way, and these people have buying power, and so they 
they start buying up the supplies of services and products and services that are out there and create an inflation setup because they obviously there's more buy power in the economy than there are people working. You have any somehow you have an increased buy power, but consumer confidence I thought was interesting because that's low. And that just means that people aren't confident in the economy. Uh, because people know people that are unemployed. People know. You know, what did the minimum wage actually do? What did the minimum wage actually do? When they created the minimum wage, they thought they were creating a living wage. What they failed to explain and what we did not get from the media, because again, they're not America First media. What we got was propaganda from the media. What the media and the experts that they paraded, all the fake experts that paraded the information out there on the, on the TV screens for years, talking about how, how this new minimum wage is going to be a living wage for so many people. What they failed to tell Americans is what was going to happen when minimum wage increased. The pay raises, that the pay levels of all Americans would increase. So you'd have more money in the economy, more buying power in the economy to grab up the products and services that are there. And unless you increase that supply, you're going to have inflation hit because the cost of those supplies, the cost of those products and services are now going to increase as supply and demand, the ratio between supply and demand changes. Again, the demand is there, the buying power comes in, okay, because everybody has more money, and then all of a sudden the supply is not affected. You don't have more supply, so now it increases the cost of supply. That's inflation. That's what we're seeing right now. Nobody talked about that. Nobody talked about the fact that that going to lunch, okay, five years ago, uh, getting a fast food lunch for five or six dollars was a reality. Today it's two, three dollars more. Today it costs two or three dollars more every day that I got a person goes out to lunch. Now you can do the math, but if you're only working five days a week, that's twenty to thirty dollars more a week. Okay, so there went the minimum wage. There went the raise from twelve to fifteen or the raise from fourteen to seventeen. That extra three dollars an hour, okay, uh means uh, roughly, um, you know, $120, whatever, whatever, the extra $3 an hour times 40 hours is is $120 a week. And when they take taxes out, you look at about 90 bucks. And as we just figured out, if you're going to lunch every day, spending two or $3 more a day, 20 days a week, there goes the money. I mean, that's a big chunk of it right there. I mean, you're just seeing it. So what's happening is you're seeing fewer and fewer people have actually any money to do anything with. That's the truth you can bank out in Denver, folks. This is what happens when incompetent people in a mediocracy take over our our government, okay? Like what we have right now in Pennsylvania, Josh Shapiro. It's the governor of PA. He was the attorney general who never tried a case, and now he's the governor who never tried a case and also, I believe, never had a job. I mean, this is where we're at. I mean, we elected an activist. Okay, that's what we elected. I'm amazed at this. I'm amazed that we don't elect accomplished people anymore. We don't elect anyone who's accomplished. Though what we do is we keep them out of the news waves, okay, the airwaves, by 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 preventing them from getting any money, okay, and uh, and and then and basically there's no debates and no no any kind of any kind of discussion between um, the accomplished individual and the and the individual who accomplished nothing. You know, what's interesting, if Shapiro and Mastriano had debates, if they actually had debates, if you actually had three debates, you would see the shallowness of, 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 of one individual and you would see the, the incredible complexity of the other individual. Okay, you would see the difference between the contrast between the two people, the substance versus lack of substance. I, 
when you are when you're an accomplished person, you're accomplished because of reasons being that you have control over certain things and you you're able to you're able to to subdue the 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 world around you to where you could achieve and accomplish. When you're an unaccomplished individual, you fail to do any of that for reasons being you're in, you're in, incapable. You don't have the ability to do it. Well, folks, we got to leave it there. Thanks to all our listeners for tuning in and being with us on our show today and spending time with us this this Saturday afternoon right here on AM Radio 1180 FYL. Thanks for being with us. See you next week on The Watchman, folks. I'm Clay Brees. Goodbye for now.